right. Welcome to Living Healthy and Aging Well. This radio show is all about your health and your life. We cover a wide range of topics, including health care, wellness, elder care, end-of-life care, and caregiver support. Hello, my name is Ken Hagland, and we have another great show for you today. Joining me in studio is Susan Marshak, Executive Director of Minnesota Network of Hospice and Palliative Care. And she is helping me co-host the show today. We'll be uh, interviewing Frank Ostaseski, a leading voice on end-of-life care, founder of the Meta Institute and author of the book, The Five Invitations. Now, Susan is also overseeing and hosting the upcoming annual state conference on hospice and palliative care, and that's being held on April 14th, 15th, and 16th. And we're going to talk more about that because it's one of the premier uh, hospice and palliative care conferences in the country, and we're very fortunate to have that here in our state. But I want to talk a little bit about today's show. Uh, We're going to talk about life and death, and uh, no one better to talk about that than one of the featured speakers of at the annual conference on Monday, April 15th, is Frank Ostasetsky. And uh, he will be uh, presenting um, a conversation along with Jessica Zitter uh, that night, among other several uh, featured uh, speakers. So we are really encouraging people um, to come out to that event. And we'll talk more about that in a second here. But I, I want to make sure that uh, everyone out there knows that the purpose of this show is to bring you specialists and experts and people with a passion for helping others from across the health and wellness field to provide insights and recommendations on how to navigate the complexities and challenges of managing both you and your family's health and quality of life. We also focus on our senior population and how we can help you prepare for the various stages of life's transition. In addition, we provide vital information for the caregivers who are essential to supporting our elder population. I am so grateful for the opportunity each week to discuss these timely and relevant topics with you, and I am thankful for the tremendous response you have provided to us regarding this unique radio show. Please continue to send us your questions, comments, and suggestions to our radio show phone number, which is 612-999-3426. I would like to introduce my co-host, and guest today, Susan Marshak, Executive Director of Minnesota Network of Hospice and Palliative Care, or MNHPC for short. Um, But before we begin our conversation, Susan, about the annual state conference and uh, and Frank uh, Ostaseski, who will be coming on in the second and third segment, I want to welcome you. And uh, would you give us a little background about you and, and how you ended up running the uh, Minnesota Network of Hospital and Palliative Care Organization. Of course. Thank you, Ken. And hello, everybody. So I have been with Minnesota Network of Hospice and Palliative Care for almost eight years. And in my career, I have been a leader of nonprofit uh, programs and organizations for almost 35 years, which means I'm fairly old. Um, And I have really been excited about this position. About eight years ago, somebody came to me and asked me if I would be interested in working with MNHPC. And I had had an experience with my mother um, dying in 2009. And it was such a tender and wonderful experience because she was utilizing hospice. That meant the world to me. I wasn't even aware of the breadth and scope of what the services are that were that hospice provided. And this not only supported, their services not only supported my mother, but they supported my children and, and they supported me through the grieving process and the loss of her um, role in our life. So, I was excited about taking this job, and I have learned a lot, of course. And um, we have created educational opportunities for healthcare professionals that work in hospice and palliative care across Minnesota and surrounding states. 
and we're very highly regarded with um, in terms of our education and our advocacy and the role we play in community. So I'm thrilled to be here today. Uh, we just created a new mission statement for our organization, and I thought I would share it with all of you, hot off the press, and this is it. We strive to ensure that everyone has the help they need to live and die according to their wishes. We do this through education and advocacy around serious illness and end-of-life care. What we wanted to do was to create a statement that really represented our organizational mission and vision and how we see everybody in our state. We believe that all of you deserve to die with dignity, and when you have a serious illness, you deserve to be cared for in a way that um, provides service for, services for the whole person. So not only your physical care, but your psychological care, emotional and spiritual care. So that is what we stand for. And I'm so excited to be here and be able to talk to all of you today about this timely topic. It's an important topic for every single one of us. There are many times that we don't share some ideas, some philosophy, some part of our life. But what we all know is that this is a part of our life that every one of us experience and how important it is for us to feel like somebody is listening to us, leaning in, really hearing who we are, what our story is, and what matters to us most when we are coming to the end of our life. And that journey is of is so important to every single one of us, but we want it to be important for the healthcare providers who are taking care of us too, so that we know our families are being cared for and held closely and, and, and thought about in terms of the pain that they feel and the loss, and that we're held closely. And the services that we receive really reflect our values and what matters to us. Well, and Susan, um, I've known you for uh, several years now, and um, I can speak on behalf of several people that are involved with the organization and people that know how much work goes into running this organization and the effort you put in, and we're so grateful for that. Uh, Minnesota is so fortunate to have people like you heading up these organizations that do give us the greatest health care in the country. We are really fortunate to have you, and thank you again for all the work you do. It's, it's so much fun working with you, and I appreciate you. That's very kind. Thank you. Well, and I want to talk a little bit about the conference because this is really just an amazing event. I've, I've attended it for several years now, um, and the, the guest speakers, the featured speakers, and the keynote speakers you've been able to get has been phenomenal, and this year is no exception. Um, Frank uh, Ostaseski, which we'll be talking to next segment, uh, is one of the keynote speakers, um, and uh, you know his his viewpoint on end of life care. I want to just read this: is um, he provides these insights into how death is a secret teacher, hiding in plain sight, helping us to discover what really matters most in life, and also the lessons of mor how mortality can teach us about the importance of living each day with a purpose. Um, I think a lot of us uh, don't understand that how life and death are so intertwined. Without life, you can't have death, and, and, and how, how important it is to be understanding how that, that plays a part in what we do every day. And, uh, and in fact, I've got a, a little excerpt uh, that I'll, I'll read here quickly. It says, Our society has shut death out almost as a denial of its existence. This denial leaves both the dying person and the family or friends totally unprepared for something that is inevitable. We are all going to die. No one gets out alive. But rather than acknowledge the existence of death, we try to hide it. It's as if we are trying to convince ourselves that out of sight, out of mind really works. But it doesn't. Because we carry on trying to validate ourselves through our material life and associated fearful behavior instead. I think... One of the important uh, mission of the organization of MNHPC and this conference 
is to just bring people together to acknowledge that and and they inspire the people that do care, uh, healthcare professionals and community uh, people as well, um, how important it is to come together and help support people that are on that last stage of life, that end of journey life. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's just a remarkable experience. I really encourage healthcare professionals to get to your website, mnhpc.org, and register for this conference. They will, they will not uh, regret it in the least. Um, and of course, the public is also welcomed to attend on Monday evening. And they can also go to mnhpc.org to get tickets for that event. And how much are those tickets for the event? The tickets for the evening event are $39. And you can come at 5 o'clock. There will be food and appetizers available, a cash bar. There'll be an exhibit hall that's filled with uh, businesses that you might be interested in and some of the products. Um, We have jewelry. We have lotions. We have beauty counter. We've got some really interesting uh, businesses participating with us. So we hope you'll attend. All right, it's time for a short break. We'll be right back to continue our conversation with Susan Marshak, Executive Director of Minnesota Network of Hospice and Palliative Care about the annual state conference. And next segment, we're talking to Frank Ostasetsky. Please stay with us. This is Chad, owner of AM950 here to tell you about Snap Construction. They're experts in roofing, siding, window, and insurance restoration. They have energy-efficient products available for both residential and commercial properties. This spring, when we needed a company to take a look at a problem with our roof, I called the company I knew I could trust, Snap Construction. I've known Ryan, the owner at Snap Construction, for years, so I knew I could trust him. Don't just take my word for it. Check out their reviews online. They are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior contractor online in the metro area. Over the years, Ryan has always said the same thing to me about his work. If we build it, shouldn't we be held accountable for the work indefinitely? He backed that statement up years ago when Snap Construction was a pioneer in offering a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee on all their work. For a free estimate or general questions, call the locally owned company AM950 Trusts Snap Construction at 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP, or find them online at snapconstruction.com. They have financing options available. Hi, this is Laura, and I want to tell you about my family's favorite thing. It's our wood stove. We bought it about 14 years ago from Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. And see, the wood stove has actually paid for itself because we can keep the main area that we live in toasty warm with this great moist heat. But more important than saving money, it has actually improved our lives. Having a fire simplifies life. It provides comfort. It sort of takes the chill out of winter. I'm Peter Solak. In 1977, I started Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. And I experienced the simple joy of warming myself by a fire. I also realized that the place and the way we embrace fire has evolved in a diversity of forms and styles. So at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, we have brought together the widest selection of our fireplace products and technical knowledge in the Twin Cities. Our mission is to use our knowledge to help you choose the design and function that is right for you and your home. Visit Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces today and find the right fire for you. Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chuske, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our secret animals. And report national and native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan LLP, dedicated to redefining excellence for high-stakes litigation representation in Indian country. We are awake Hi, Matt McNeil for Rudy Luther Toyota. March is Auto Show Month at Rudy Luther. This means throughout the month, they'll have great auto show deals on all new Toyotas. My first Toyota love was the RAV4, and it's completely redesigned for 2019. And the new RAV4 Hybrid will be here soon. Remember, buy a new Toyota and get a $250 gift card. Trade in a vehicle on a new Toyota and get another $250 gift card. That means a total of $500 in savings. Rudy Luther Toyota, 394 and 169 in Golden Valley and online at RudyLutherToyota.com. All 
Welcome back. You are listening to Living Healthy and Aging Well. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today in studio, helping me co-host this show is Susan Marshak, Executive Director of Minnesota Network of Hospice and Palliative Care. And we have a special guest that is joining us this segment and the next segment, and his name is Frank Ostaseski. And Frank has dedicated his life to service. He is the co-founder of the Zen Hospice Project, founder of the Meta Institute. He's a Buddhist teacher, an international lecturer, and a leading voice in contemplative end-of-life care. Uh, he's been honored by His Holiness the Dalai Lama, and AARP named him one of America's 50 most innovative people. He has offered seminars at Harvard Medical School, the Mayo Clinic, and Heidelberg University, and he teaches at major spiritual centers around the globe. His work has been featured on the Bill Moyers PBS series On Our Own Terms and the Oprah Winfrey Show, among other programs. Frank, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Ken and Susan. Very happy to be with you. We are, we are so excited about the state uh, annual conference coming up here in April, and uh, you are going to be one of uh, the featured speakers, um, and you'll be doing a uh, conversation with Jessica Zitter um, on Monday evening, April 15th. And so we're encouraging our listeners to get on the mnhpc.org website and get their tickets. It's going to be a fantastic evening of great conversation. Uh, one of the conference, uh, the conference theme this year is navigating the journey with compassion. And uh, Frank, we wanted to get your perspective on on what uh, defines the term compassion, especially as it relates to end of life care. Well, first of all, I just want to add that, uh, my encouragement for people to come out to the evening with Jessica and myself. She's a wonderful uh, speaker and uh, great physician, and I think it'll be uh, an enlightening and inspiring evening. Um, coming back to your question about compassion. You know, I think oftentimes we conflate empathy with compassion. The Empathy is the ability to feel into the other person's experience, and we need that. You know, it's what enables us to build a bridge from our hearts to theirs. But sometimes what can happen in that process is we can get kind of empathetically overloaded. We can get so entangled with other people's suffering that we can't be of very much help to them. So what compassion is is the ability to really serve um, and help to eliminate or at least reduce their suffering. So to do that, I've got to stay in my own seat, right? If I get over there and get too entangled with your suffering, I can't really be of some help to you. So I can build an empathetic bridge, but I stay in my own seat so I can use my skills and my wisdom to be of some real support to you. So uh, that's that's one of the, we want to make that distinction, yeah? Yeah. Um, another way to think about compassion is a kind of attunement to what, to the particular face of the suffering that the other individual is going through in that particular moment. It's not a general sort of warm-heartedness. It's a real, very, it has a kind of precision to it. Um, it zeroes in to what matters most to that person in that particular moment. Well, and one of the things that we strive to, to do at these conferences that, that Susan's team does is try to bring people together for an inspirational um, representation of the great care that's being done in our communities and uh, let them know that they're not alone. This is, uh, this is a universal thing um, that we are trying to do better at, and, uh, and people like yourself are helping us frame these conversations and frame this understanding of what the end-of-life journey is. Well, not only that, Ken, but I think we can um, harness an awareness of death to help us lead a life that's meaningful and purposeful. Um, all of us are going to face the end of life, and nobody gets out of this alive, right? So the question is, then, what habits do we want to create? The habits of our life have a very strong momentum to carry through right into the time of our dying. So the question that arises is, which ones, which of those habits do we want to create now? Knowing that the people we love will one day die, how do we want to care for them? You know, how do we want to conduct our relationships? So I think uh, being with dying, as many of the people who attend the conference do on a daily basis, is a kind of wonderful opportunity for us not only to care for them, but for them to teach us about how to live life fully. You've mentioned in your book, uh, the, the Five Invitations, how, how death is a teacher to us. 
And I, I read a, a quote from another uh, author at the beginning of the show here that, that talks about how we try to deny death and we, we, we put it out of our minds and we don't, we don't embrace it. We really ignore it. And then we're always struggling then when death occurs in our life on how to deal with that. Um, wh- why do you think uh, people just knowing that we're all going to die, why do you see people not taking the time to understand it or uh, appreciate it or, or use it to help guide their life and to, to help define their purpose in life? Well, that's a, that's a big question, and I, I think we could. there's probably many contributing factors to that. But one of them, of course, is our cultural bias to not look at it. We're conditioned to actually keep death at arm's length in a way. But here's the thing, you know, death is the kind of secret teacher hiding in plain sight. I mean, she helps us to discover really what matters most. And the really good news is that we don't have to wait until the end of our lives to realize the, the wisdom that, that death has to teach. Um, you know, I... Dying is not failure, and thinking about our dying won't make it happen, right? No more than, um, you know, anything else. So I think that if we're willing to really turn toward this experience, we can. it has a kind of wisdom. It shows us, you know, what matters most. Like, for example, the two questions that people ask me at the end of life aren't really about their regrets. They want to know, am I loved, and did I love well? And if those are the two most important questions at the end of life, aren't they important to us now? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, when you, you mentioned the word, you know, dying is not failure, um, I sometimes feel, and, and in, in the profession that uh, I'm in, which is uh, a hospice provider, um, I feel like sometimes our, our healthcare uh, system looks at dying as failure. We, we have such amazing technologies and, and such amazing caregivers and, and healthcare professionals that do everything they can to extend life and do the best they can. Um, and I feel like sometimes there's a sense of failure when, when a person becomes terminal and, and starts to walk on that end-of-life journey. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on how our, our, maybe our medical communities can help embrace that, that thought of end-of-life? Well, of course, this is, a, um, again, a really big question, and I think one of the things that Jessica and I are going to be discussing on, in that evening. But um, partly, we treat dying as if it were predominantly a medical event. You know? Yeah, right. And I think the, the profundity of what happens in the dying process is bigger, too big, in fact, to be contained simply by the medical model. Now, I think we need to bring the best of what medicine has to offer. We have to bring great uh, pain control and symptom management in place. But I'm not sure that we sh- that that's the only model we can use yeah. in caring for people at the end of life. Frank, we are up against a break here. Could we hold that yep. thought and continue it in the next segment here? Um, sure can. It's time for a short break. We'll be right back to continue our, continue our conversation with Frank Ostaseski, a leading voice on end-of-life care and author of the book, The Five Invitations. Please stay with us. This is Chad, owner of AM950, here to tell you about Snap Construction. They're experts in roofing, siding, window, and insurance restoration. They have energy-efficient products available for both residential and commercial properties. This spring, when we needed a company to take a look at a problem with our roof, I called the company I knew I could trust, Snap Construction. I've known Ryan, the owner at Snap Construction, for years, so I knew I could trust him. Don't just take my word for it. Check out their reviews online. They are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior contractor online in the metro area. Over the years, Ryan has always said the same thing to me about his work. If we build it, shouldn't we be held accountable for the work indefinitely? He backed that statement up years ago when Snap Construction was a pioneer in offering a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee on all their work. For a free estimate or general questions, call the locally owned company AM950 Trusts Snap Construction at 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP, or find them online at snapconstruction.com. They have financing options available. Do yourself a favor and check out the amazing cuisine of eatlocalminnesota.com. More than just a website, eatlocalminnesota.com provides you with the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities. 
Serving family favorites in Minneapolis since 1964, Milda's Cafe is a great spot for breakfast or lunch. Wake up with their delicious Eggs Benedict or biscuits and gravy and savor their many great lunch options. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Milda serves authentic Finnish pasties. Open weekdays 6 to 3 and now on weekends 8 to 2 on Glenwood Avenue, four blocks east of Penn. Specializing in Szechuan and Peking cuisine, the Great Wall Chinese Restaurant has been a local favorite since 1981. They offer one of the most extensive menus in the Twin Cities. Favorites include the sesame chicken, imperial beef, and Peking duck. The Great Wall Restaurant is located off 45th and France with takeout available too. More at greatwallrestaurant.us. Are you thinking of buying or selling a house or just want to know what might be going on with one of your biggest investments? Then why not become a house geek? Hi, I'm Kirk Duckwall, host of the House Geeks Real Estate Show here with your House Geeks Market Minute. 6.48 is the average number of showings per week per listing in the 200 to 400K price range in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. This is up over last week and is a main indicator of demand in the marketplace. Pending home sales are down over the same time last year, 16.5%. And the 30-year conventional interest rate is at around 4.06%. This is down over last week's 4.24%. Conclusion, lower interest rates are making it an attractive time to be looking for buyers. However, some buyers are bidding well over asking price, also creating an opportunity for people looking to sell. Remember to check us out online anytime at housegeeks.com. With your AM950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today it's cloudy with a high near 61. Tonight stays cloudy with a low around 55. Tomorrow showers likely with a high near 65. Monday mostly sunny with a high near 68. And Tuesday mostly sunny with a high near 55. The Eat Local Minnesota Restaurant of the Week is Hazel's Northeast. For classically inspired, creatively prepared comfort food, come enjoy dishes such as Swedish meatballs, pesto chicken, and fish and chips. Visit them on 29th and Johnson in Northeast Minneapolis. More info at eatlocalminnesota.com. Welcome back. You are listening to Living Healthy and Aging Well. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today in studio is my co-host, Susan Marshak, Executive Director of Minnesota Network of Hospice and Palliative Care. And on the phone, we have Frank Ostaseski, a leading voice on end-of-life care. He's founder of the Meta Institute and author of the book, The Five Invitations. When we last uh, finished the segment prior to this, we started to talk about the humanization of healthcare. And uh, what I wanted to, to mention is that the theme of the Monday evening event that is open to the public is, the theme is called Being Present, a conversation about humanness through life's end. And we started to talk about the, the healthcare profession, and uh, Frank had some thoughts on that. We had to cut him off before this, uh, this end of the segment, but I wanted to... Um, expound upon that uh, that thought that, that you had, Frank, regarding the humanness um, and and its involvement in the, the healthcare profession. Yeah, well, I think, Ken, what we're talking about here is that, you know, when we only speak of dying as making the best of a bad situation or getting through this, getting through this experience, I think we rob it, actually, of we devalue the process of dying. Um when we only treat it as a medical event, we might, in fact, miss some of the other dimensions of the dying process, which are really important to consider, like the opportunity that's there for everyone to grow, for transformation, etc. Yes, um, and I want to also mention, um, uh, to get, get clarity here to our audience, um, that, the, that the conference coming up here, the annual conference, uh, starts on Sunday and goes through Tuesday. But Monday night is the event that's open to the public, and tickets are still available at the mnhpc.org website. And to remind people, the theme of that event is being present, a conversation about humanists through life's end. And the featured speakers include 
Frank Ostasetsky, who's on the line right now, and Jessica Zitter. They will be actually having a conversation together about this topic. And we'll also have uh, Miguel Ruiz and Kevin Kling, um, author and playwright, will be there as well. So I want to encourage people, uh, please uh, check out the website, mnhpc.org, and get your tickets for this amazing evening. Uh, and this is being held at the Doubletree uh, in uh, Bloomington, Minnesota. So, uh, Frank, would you um, would you tell us more about some of the topics that uh, you and Jessica Zitter will be uh, conversing about on Monday evening? Well, I think we'll talk about a few things. One of those is how individuals, people who are going through the medical system, the healthcare system, they want a human face on their medical care. They want more than technique and expertise. Um, you know, we want mastery. We want somebody who knows what they're doing. I want my pain well controlled and my symptoms adequately managed. But that won't be enough. I need somebody who can help me in the territory of meaning, who can help me discover what the purpose and value of this life is, and even this process that I'm in the midst of. And then there's a juncture in the dying process where even meaning starts to fall away. You know, we're still talking to Grandma about her trip to Antarctica or, you know, the Ferris wheel she rode at Coney Island. And really, Grandma's turning toward a new dimension in her life. And we could call that dimension mystery. Um, it's the land of unanswerable questions. And there we're all explorers. Yeah? So we really need to think about these three dimensions, mastery, meaning, and mystery, um, if we're going to take in the profundity of what happens in the dying process. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's one of the things we'll talk about. I think we'll also talk about the fact that without a reminder of death, we tend to take life for granted often becoming lost in, in endless pursuits of self-gratification. And when we keep death at our fingertips really closely, you know, it reminds us not to hold on so tightly. And so I think, Ken, what this does is maybe we take ourselves and our ideas a little less seriously. Maybe we let go a little more easily. I think when we recognize that death comes to everyone, we appreciate that we're in the boat together. And my, my experience is this helps us to be kinder, and gentler with one another. Yeah. Let's not cut off death from life. Yes, yes. Um, the, um, some of the things that, uh, that we talk about in the show is how the death um, concept gives us a focus on purpose. It, it gives us an expiration date, in a sense, that's unknown, but is, but is a certainty. Um, and I think when I look at at the epidemic of mental health in our in our country, I, I feel like there's just a disconnect with the reality of of how short our life is and how how special it is. And when I when I do talk to people who have had either a near death experience or they they um, they've come out of a very serious medical condition, they all say how they appreciate life more and how they appreciate love and they want to love more uh, than they were before. Uh, can you, uh, can you talk more about that as well? Yeah. I mean, you know, I worked uh, in San Francisco with a lot of people who lived on the streets. Many of the folks that we cared for lived in terrible conditions, you know, in rat-infested hotels. And I changed a lot of diapers on park benches behind City Hall. So these were folks that were alcoholics and prostitutes and homeless folks, you know, living on the margins of society. And often they wore the face of resignation or they were angry about their loss of control. Um, and some of them, you know, Ken, they came from cultures I didn't know, you know, speaking languages I couldn't understand. But frequently, they found within themselves the resourcefulness, the resilience, the courage, the compassion to meet what they thought was unbearable or unimaginable in remarkable ways. Now, sometimes that only happened in the final weeks of life or days of life or even sometimes the last minutes of life. And we might reasonably say, too late. And I would agree, it's too late. But here's the thing. If that possibility exists then, well, it exists now. And so how can we use the wisdom that we can learn from death to show us how to love this life more, you know, how to step into it in a responsible way, full of integrity, yeah? The, the people that came, to their, came through this process of dying in the ways that I've just described, it seemed like, it was their willingness to live into the deeper dimensions of what it means to be human. Yeah? Just to be human. That's really what mattered, you know? And, and what we found in our care 
oftentimes is that it wasn't so complicated. You know, we've, we've made of dying something technological and turned it into a task or an obligation. How do we do that, you know? You know, so what happens if we remember the value of simple human presence and uh, simple human kindness and how, how um, what we're really oftentimes looking for, from, for each other is our attention. We want to belong. We want to feel like we belong. And there's no time where that's more important than in the dying process. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, one of the people I've uh, spoken with previously said that uh, you, you reach true enlightenment at the end of life when, when you are on the verge of death. And we, we were commiserating about how that's, that's too bad to, to have that happen then and not happen earlier in life. And, um, and we did say, though, that if, if the death process is, is being supported properly, whether it's with family or with hospice or the medical community, that um, the lessons of death can be passed on to that next generation that's witnessing that event um, and can help them, you know, help them frame their life. We know, each of us knows, that, you know, our mother's treasured vase is going to one day fall off the shelf and break. You know, our car's going to break down. The people we love are going to die. Our relationships might end. You know, we know that. Everybody knows that. Now, the work is to move that understanding from our intellect, from our head, and nestle it deep in our hearts so that it doesn't frighten us, but inspires us, actually, to step into life and live it in a way that's responsible, where we take um, good care. You know, that's the thing. You know, the people we know and love will one day die. Now, we can either become paralyzed by that, or we can let that experience inform how we care for them now, how we care for each other now. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the wisdom that death has to offer us. And, and, and I think when we separate life from death, we, we lose those lessons. Yeah, we take life for granted. Yeah, the one of the uh, people I've talked to in the past said, uh, you know, as, as you, especially in the, in the profession of hospice or palliative care, you you, you see death uh, frequently, and that's just a part of your job. It's a part of your life's work, is is the witnessing of other people's passing. And uh, they say once once you get involved in that profession, and Susan and I are are nodding at each other here. It's, it's really hard to let go of that because it does give you so much more of a meaning and a better perspective on what you do every day. So we're, you know, we're very fortunate to be in the end-of-life healthcare and support area. And so I, I wish that we could somehow translate that to the, just the general public or the general communities that we serve in. And, and it's a tough message to get across to people. Sure, sure. But, you know, I mean, that's one of the reasons for the dialogue with Jessica for the conference. You know, people come to the, to the conference, and I've spoken there before, and I know Susan, and so I'm really excited to come back and to be with that community of people again. Um, but I, I try and talk to those hospice providers and help them understand that they are more than good caregivers. You know, that's essential in their role, that they have the expertise and the heart to do this work. But when you sit on the precipice of death day in and day out, as most of these folks do, you learn things. You learn things that the culture needs. And so I think our work as hospice providers is more than just being caregivers. I think it's actually, well, maybe this sounds inflated, but I think it's to be wisdom keepers, you know, to share with others the lessons that we learn sitting on the precipice of death. Yes, yes. And I think you've mentioned in your book and other things that, that death is our teacher, and we as end-of-life caregivers are really privileged and honored to be able to be in the presence of that teaching opportunity that happens every time one of our, our patients, our clients, our friends, our family does pass, if we're open to it. I think that's the key is being open to that when you have access to that event. Right. And not just open to how when it turns out well. You know, I mean, look, dying can be beautiful, but it can also be messy, and it can be painful, yes. and it can be... Uh, challenging and, levy on, and transformative, but most of all, it's ordinary. 
all of us will go through it, you know. And so what we need to do is to create the systems, and that's why I think the work of Susan and the, and the, and the network are so important, because we create the systems in which people can go through the dying process however they need to go through it. We don't set an agenda for them about how they should die. Yeah, yeah? Yeah. We create the system that allows them to die in whatever way best suits them. Right. That's really important, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, Frank, listen, we are up against the end of this segment. Yeah, I, I want to thank yeah. you so much for taking time today to be with us and to help us promote this great conference coming up and your uh, conversation with Jessica Zitter on Monday, um, April 15th. It's an evening opportunity for the public to attend, and we really want to encourage people to go on the mnhpc.org website and get those tickets. Once again, Frank, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Frank, I'm looking Most forward well, to you. seeing you. Me too, too. It's going to be great to see you. Take good care. You too. Art lovers, it's time to celebrate, learn about, and collect local art at the St. Paul Art Crawl, running April 26th. The Spring St. Paul Art Crawl, presented by the St. Paul Art Collective, is a must-do experience that you will love. Over the weekend, you will have the chance to explore a wide variety of art while touring through local artists' studios, lofts, and galleries. Up for purchase will be paintings, photography, pottery, sculpture, fiber arts, and more. The Art Crawl sprawls over 34 locations. Join the art crawl and discover outstanding art for your own. And when you buy local art, you're providing to artists so that they may continue to create the art we love. The Metro Transit is supporting the local art community too with free transit passes. Download your pass to ride buses and light rail for free during the art crawl. Be sure to get details at stpaulartcrawl.org. That's stpaulartcrawl.org. It's Greek to Me has big news. They are now open for lunch, Tuesday through Sunday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. That's right, you asked and they listened. Enjoy lunch amongst their new marketplace. If you can't join them in-house, make sure to check out their delivery services and remember them for your home or office takeout and catering. Visit It's Greek to Me on the corner of Lake and Lindale in Minneapolis at 626 West Lake Street in Minneapolis or at www.itsgreektomemn.com. Hi, this is Matt, owner of Green Home Doctors. Approximately 80% of the homes in Minnesota are not sealed and insulated properly. A typical home has air leakage equal to a large open window. You shouldn't need a space heater and extra blankets to feel comfortable. If you do, that's a sign that your home is not properly insulated. Take advantage of the rebates and great incentives from CenterPoint and Excel Energy before it's too late. To learn more about the savings, visit GreenHomeDR.com. I'd like to thank over 300,000 Minnesota homeowners for choosing Warner Stellion to be their appliance specialist. Now through April 15th, get our guaranteed lowest price on a KitchenAid or Bosch dishwasher, then save more with trusted free installation. Save hundreds on amazing lawn repairs by Whirlpool, smart refrigerators by Samsung, and beautiful kitchen suites by LG. Save on more brands and get the unmatched services you've come to expect. Through April 15th, during Warner Stellion's Customer Appreciation Sale. Tom Hartman here letting you know how you can save money with All Energy Solar. One of the myths about solar is that it's too expensive and you need lots of money down. The truth? Solar is available for little or no money down. And if you have a great site for solar, you might even save money right away on a monthly basis. So don't wait to switch. You'll see your investment pay off the sooner you switch to All Energy Solar. So start saving today and visit allenergysolar.com. Welcome back. You are listening to Living Healthy and Aging Well. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today in studio is Susan Marshak, Executive Director of Minnesota Network of Hospice and Palliative Care. And we just finished a great conversation with Frank Ostaseski, who is a leading voice on end-of-life care and founder of the Meta Institute and author of the book, The Five Invitations. He will be uh, co-presenting with Jessica Zitter on Monday, April 15th, in the evening, 
as a part of the annual state conference on hospice and palliative care. Um, he will also have his book, The Five Invitations, available for purchase uh, that night as well. I want to mention that this radio program is brought to you in part each week by Minnesota Hospice, an independent physician-owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. If you have any questions regarding end-of-life care or support, please contact the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice at 952-898-1022 or visit them online at minnesotahospice.com. Susan, let's talk about the conference because this is really such an amazing event. Uh, I've been a part of it for several years now. It, uh, it draws hundreds and hundreds of people. In fact, last year you broke the all-time record uh, for attendees, and it was what? Over 1,000 oh, people. 1,000 people. People come from all over the country to 25 this. states, <laughs> including Alaska this year. And so, yes, it is, uh, I mean, it is such an inspirational event, um, and, and the two and a half days goes by so fast. Um, but I really want to let people know some of the substance, some of the things that are going on at that conference in this last segment. We've only got a few minutes to talk about it, but I really want to focus on on encouraging anybody in the healthcare profession, whether they're supporting end-of-life care or not. This is so beneficial to get there and see a thousand people that are all having the same passion and, uh, and interest at end-of-life care. Um, and of course, for the general public, be sure and attend the Monday evening event at the Doubletree Hotel in Bloomington. But tell us more about this amazing conference that's coming up. Thank you. So we've grown over the last seven years by over 100%. And we create a national caliber conference. We've had a goal of ensuring that not only do we provide amazing educational opportunities for healthcare professionals, but that we create an environment that encourages renewal and energy and passion towards their jobs. So by the time they walk out of that conference, they are so ready to go back to their, their work with a new sense of purpose. This year, um, because our uh, theme is navigating the journey with compassion, we have included a health, uh, Alina Health um, Wellness Center, and there will be massage and aromatherapy and pet therapy. And these are uh, integrative services that are provided for patients and their families, but we're going to make sure that the attendees experience that so that there is some self-care involved in it. We will also have a labyrinth for people to walk basically reflective um, thinking, sometimes working through a problem. But it's all about really being present and focusing on your purpose in the world, why you do this work. And truthfully, the knowledge that they gain, we make sure that these are tools that they walk away with and people can use in their work the next day. And it's really to care for, provide the best care possible for patients and their families. That is the goal of that conference. So we are excited that we have become so highly regarded and that 25 states are represented. People from all over the, com the country are attending. And we expect to break 1,000 attendees again. So it is the biggest conference in the Midwest, but more than that, it's the best conference. And I yeah. can really, I really feel that. We are, the response is remarkable. So what we did was we added a piece for the broader community because this is a conversation we all need to share. So this year, we are bringing Frank Ostaseski, who many of you have heard now, a Buddhist teacher and the author of The Five Invitations, Discovering What Death Can Teach Us About Living Fully, and Dr. Jessica Zitter, who is the author of Extreme Measures, and she is a palliative care physician, and she calls herself an accidental activist. And she, she calls herself that because she is determined to bring 
um, humanity back into healthcare. And I believe that is really a mission that both Frank and Dr. Zitter have. So that's what that conversation is going to focus on. What does, te- what does death teach us about living fully and living our lives better? And also, why is it so important to bring humanity back into healthcare? And I think all of us know that's critical. That is an important piece. And Kathy Werzer, who many of you know, who is the host of Morning Edition with NPR and TPT's Almanac, will be moderating that conversation. And we're excited to welcome our special guest, guest, which will open the evening giving voice. And this is a chorus. If you have not heard them, they are inspiring. Um, They're amazing group of people. Half of them are living with Alzheimer's. And the other half of the chorus are their care partners. And it is beautiful, and it really speaks to the strength of uh, the human spirit. So this is going to be a powerful evening, and we want you there. We want you to join us. And I hope you will. What you do is you go to www.mnhpc.org. You will see, if you scroll down on the front page, you will see the information about the event, and you can get tickets on that site. It just says purchase tickets. Click on that, and it's very easy to register. It's $39. It includes appetizers. Uh, It includes access to the exhibit areas. You will be able to go upstairs to an exhibit areas of partner organizations that are small nonprofits doing some amazing work. I hope you will join us. Um, there'll be food. It's going to be remarkable. The event starts at 6 p.m. If you can just make it for that till 8.30, uh, we want you there. This is a time for us to create common language together. You will not be disappointed. Susan, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you helping me co-host the interview with Frank Ostaseski, who will be one of the featured speakers on that Monday night. Susan, they can, they can go online, mnhpc.org. Is there a phone number they can call if they have any questions? Yes, call 651-917-4616. One more time. If you have any questions. Yeah, one more time. 651-917-4616. Fantastic. Well, please join us again next Saturday at noon for another live broadcast. And thank you for listening to Living Healthy and Aging Well, where we talk about your health and your life. Until next time, live well. Good your life.